0: Welcome to the Stirring Hearts Podcast. My name is Lori Adams, and I'll be your host. I'm a wife, mom, and meemaw to four little angels. You know, in all the years that I've been in ministry, ministering to women has truly been my passion. The Lord has given me a heart to inspire, encourage, and impact women just like you. The Stirring Hearts Podcast is designed to stir up your heart into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. Jesus, the lover of your soul, not to stir your emotions, but to stir the Spirit of God that dwells inside you. And by doing so, we will learn to live out the greatest commandment given to us by Jesus, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. My prayer is that your hunger for Jesus will go stronger every time you listen to this podcast. So join me today, sisters, as we stir our hearts for personal revival. Well, hey, sweet sister, welcome to episode two of the Stirring Hearts podcast. We are really plugging along, making progress, episode two. I really am thankful that you are here, and I pray that you were able to listen to last week's podcast. In that episode, I shared my story and gave you a brief testimony on the journey that the Lord has had me on for the last several years. We also dove deeper into the importance of the condition of our hearts. We saw that our hearts really do matter to the Lord. I pray that podcast was a blessing. Now, as I mentioned, each episode, we will have what I am calling stirring scriptures, meaning we will dive deeper into God's word and let those words stir our hearts to know Jesus on a deeper level. Currently, the way I will decide on those scriptures is based on the leading of the Holy Spirit and what he reveals to me in my quiet time. I also mentioned to you that this podcast has been bathed in prayer. And in those times, the Lord has literally showed me all kinds of scriptures and ideas for upcoming podcasts. I have pages and pages of notes and I am so thankful for that because this podcast sister belongs to him. And however he leads on the topic in scriptures, I will follow. I am merely a vessel. So here we go. This week's episode is called He Invites, We Come. He Invites, We Come. The verses that we will be looking at are found in Luke 14, 16, twenty four. Now, just as a side note, any scriptures that I reference in the podcast, you can find in the show notes. Now, if you have trouble finding them in the show notes, you can go to my website, www.stirringhearts.org, and you can find my podcast there. And you can also find all the scriptures. Okay, here we go. Luke 14, 16 through 24. Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, Oh, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Okay, now let's go ahead and unpack these verses. In context, these verses are referencing the arrival of the kingdom of God in the ministry of Jesus. The master in these verses is God, and the great banquet is the kingdom of God. The servant is Jesus, and the invited guest who received this invitation long ago was the Jewish nation, God's chosen people. (laughs) But when Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand, they rejected him. Matthew 4:17 Jesus is speaking. This is how he started his ministry. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John 1:11 says this. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. Now we see two invitations going forth in these passages. The first redemptive invitation started in the Garden of Eden after the fall and continued throughout the entire Old Testament. The Lord was inviting individuals such as Abraham, David, and Moses into a relationship with Him and then moving forward inviting his chosen people, the nation of Israel, into a relationship with him. The Lord God was establishing his people with this invitation, who in turn were supposed to be a blessing to all the nations. Jeremiah 30, 21 through 22 establishes this. It says, They will have their own ruler again, And he will come from their own people. I will invite him to approach me, says the Lord. For who would dare come unless invited? You will be my people, and I will be your God. I mean, you can see here the Lord is totally inviting them into a relationship with him. He is to be their God, and they are to be his people. And they initially accept this invitation. But there is something prophetic in these verses that if not careful, we can miss. And it's obvious many of the Israelites, especially the elite, meaning the Sadducees and Pharisees, they missed it. Let's be honest, they just plain rejected it. So what did they miss in those verses that I read from Jeremiah? Well, according to the Targum, (laughs) Targum. Okay, stick with me here. Don't think that I'm so smart. I actually read some commentary on these verses, and this is a word that I had to look up. So here we go. Here's the definition of Targum. Targums are Jewish Aramaic translations of books of the Hebrew Bible. Okay, with that in mind, the word ruler in verse 21 of Jeremiah, the Targum renders that word ruler as Messiah. Verse 21 says, they will have their own ruler or Messiah again, and he will come from their own people. But again, we see that they rejected this. Now the term ruler probably also refers to the rulers of Judah immediately after the exile, But Jesus Christ ultimately fulfills this promise. Side note, sister, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. The second invitation was ushered into this earthly realm by the start of the ministry of Jesus. The banquet prepared by the Lord God was now ready. This amazing banquet the Lord had prepared was the banquet of salvation. And Jesus, the servant, came to let the people who had been invited know this. But now, suddenly, these people who had been invited for hundreds of years started to come up with all kinds of ridiculous excuses why they couldn't come. Okay. A man bought a field and now he must go inspect it. Really? He didn't see it beforehand. Another bought some oxen and now he wants to go try them out. (laughs) That's like saying, I bought a car and now I want to go take a test drive. And finally, a man says, I just got married. I can't make it. I mean, as you can see, these are lame excuses. So what does the master tell the servant to do? He tells him to leave these original invited people and go out and invite others to this amazing banquet because the banquet is ready. This sister is good news for us that are Gentiles. The fact that the master in the parable sends the servant to the streets and alleys of the town to persuade everyone to come indicates that the offer of salvation would be extended to the Gentiles and to the ends of the earth. So who is the servant told to go and invite? The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Let's be clear. These descriptions are literal and figurative. But why do you think these people, these Gentiles, are described that way? Well, let's remember who the audience is in which Jesus is speaking. This parable is told by Jesus on the Sabbath at the home of the leaders of the Pharisee. Now, you can read the entire account starting at the beginning of Luke chapter 14. Listen, these people were watching Jesus closely. They wanted to see if he slipped up in any way. But Jesus was keenly aware of their self-righteousness, hypocrisy, and pride throughout this entire dinner And the stories he told in chapter 14 of Luke totally indicate that. The Pharisees snubbed their noses at Gentiles. They thought they were better and more deserving because of how, quote unquote, holy and righteous and chosen they were. But Jesus dispels all that, and he does so by the parables that he tells at that dinner. Let's remember this as well. The inclusion of Gentiles is a fulfillment of Hosea 2.23, which says, I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 10.13 says, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so now the question becomes, where do you and I land in all this? How does this long ago parable affect you and me? Well, I'm glad you asked. I told you in last week's episode that our father, our heavenly father is a relational father. And everything about Jesus indicates that. His conception, his birth, birth, his life, his ministry, his death, burial, and resurrection, all point to the unending, relentless measures the Lord has gone to, to rescue, to redeem, and reestablish his rightful place in our heart, mind, and soul. You know, as women, to some small degree, I think we can truly appreciate the pursuit of this kind of love. Sister, this invitation was written in the very blood of Jesus, inviting you and me into relationship with him. And the Lord is so determined to have every seat full at this amazing banquet that we've been invited to. And my prayer is that you have accepted this invitation to the banquet of salvation. But it does not end there. This is literally the starting point. By coming to the banquet, we enter a whole new kingdom. Remember the words of Jesus as he began his ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This kingdom, however, is unseen and is established and formed in the inner man or woman. Our dead spiritual lives become reborn and redeemed by the power of the cross We see at this banquet the true master, the one true God. We see the servant Jesus as a humble and loving Savior, and we should be thankful and humbled by the invitation. See, we might not literally be poor, crippled, blind, and lame, but spiritually speaking, that's exactly what we are before we come to the banquet of salvation, And we must not be like the Pharisees. We must see our deep need and how broken we really are. The Lord invites sinful human beings like you and me to dine at his banquet table of salvation. And since we have entered this new kingdom, we must live like a citizen of this kingdom. (laughs) Now, if you're living in America, we don't know what it means to be a subject in someone's kingdom. I mean, come on, we are living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to answer to anyone. We have our rights and no one can tell us how to live. But the truth of the matter is, if we have truly come to the banquet table of salvation, we have a new king, and he must be Lord in our lives. Our inner being, our heart, mind, and soul begins the process of sanctification. To be set apart and to be made holy, and spiritually speaking, for this to take place, we should never get up from the banquet table the Lord has prepared for us. We know this because Jesus continues to send out this invitation all throughout his ministry. Here are just a few examples. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 says this, Then Jesus said, Come, come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. John six thirty five says this, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. James, the brother of Jesus, encouraged this as well. In James 4, 8, he says, Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Listen, sister, we need to be at the banquet table every single day. But sometimes in pride, we can make lame excuses just like the people we read about in Luke 14. Okay, here's where I might come at you with a little tough love, but I pray you see it as me truly wanting to encourage you in your daily spiritual life. Now, even though this amazing banquet table is free to us, it's a gift. The price was paid with the very blood of Jesus. But there is actually a cost to us. It's a personal cost. And we must count that cost if we're to be true disciples of Jesus. And we find this truth said by Jesus in the very same chapter we started with in Luke. The verses are Luke 14, 25 through 28. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? (laughs) Man, these words seem kind of harsh from Jesus or so it appears. It seems as if he's telling us that we must hate those we love in order to follow him. But look at the words, by comparison. What he is actually saying is, our love and devotion for him should be so great that anything compared to that seems inferior. Love for family and one's own life must not compete with our devotion to Christ, To carry our own cross is a picture of dying to self. Ugh, This by far is one of the hardest things to do, to let our self-life die and be ruled and reigned by Jesus himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, in the American church, especially, we are led to believe that coming to Jesus is a means to have a better life here on earth, health, wealth, and living our best life now. But according to Jesus, that's a complete lie. John sixteen thirty three. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Listen, sister, the truth is being a disciple of Jesus is not easy, but it is ever so worth it. Nothing, and I mean nothing, can compare to being in a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus, the lover of your soul, your savior, your healer, and your redeemer. I want you to listen to this powerful commentary in regards to counting the cost. If we tell Jesus that we want to take up our cross and follow him as his disciples, then he wants us to know exactly what we're getting into. He wants no false expectations, no illusions, and no bargains. He wants to use us as stones for building his church, soldiers for battling his enemies, and salt for bettering his world. And he is looking for quality. Now, with all that said, here is some amazing, powerful, and good news. The Lord God himself has prepared this banquet table. He has done all the preparations and fulfilled all the requirements for salvation. He even serves the meal, the bread of life and the living water, which is found in Jesus. He even provides our attire. He clothes us in his righteousness. All we must do is come. Isaiah 61:10 says this, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. Sister, our King Jesus, he does all the heavy lifting. All we must do is respond to his loving invitation. And please don't miss the fact that this is a daily invitation as we sit at his table. We are spiritually nourished, and it gives us the ability to run our race, to be his true disciples, to be salt and light in a dark world that needs this amazing gift of salvation. Sister, coming to his table to feast daily is a spiritual discipline. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient, and it is not always perfect, but it is necessary if we're to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to be his true disciples. Now, as we come to the close of this podcast, I want to give you some practical tips that will help you pull up your chair to the banquet table every day and receive this spiritual feast the Lord has prepared just for you. Okay. First and foremost, pray. (laughs) Pray and ask the Lord to give you a hunger. Because if you're going to feast on his word daily, you need to be hungry. Spiritually speaking, that is. Second, find a place that is quiet and doesn't have too many distractions. Now to achieve this, you might need to wake up 30 minutes earlier. I'm just saying let that space be your special place where you meet with Jesus every day. Third, turn off all devices that make sounds and vibrations because we know how distracting that can be. Fourth, set a time that you want to spend with the Lord and stick with it. No matter how difficult it feels, We should not be ruled and controlled by our feelings and our relationship with Jesus. Remember, sister, this is a spiritual discipline. And fifth, make sure that you are spending most of your time in the Bible, in the Word of God. Devotions are great and they are helpful, but God's Word is alive and active and has supernatural power. His Word is is what renews our mind and changes our heart. Now, these are just a few things that I pray will help you as you work towards this beneficial spiritual discipline. Okay, I must give you a warning right here. If you decide to do all that I have suggested, let me assure you of something. You will be met with a great spiritual opposition from the enemy. I mean, I can guarantee it. But if you go into this battle knowing that, you can be on the offensive, see it for what it is and fight. Because remember, if we are true disciples, we are also soldiers. And the good news is, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory, and it's all because of Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this sweet sister listening to this podcast. I pray she has heard from you today, that her heart has been stirred to want to know you on a deeper level. Father, help her count the cost to be your disciple. But more importantly, help her see the beautiful invitation given to her by Jesus to come Come to the banquet table and be filled with your love and grace and mercy and kindness. May she be nourished spiritually and run the race set before her, powered and infused with the Holy Spirit. May she also remember the price you paid and the love you have for her. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, that's all for today. Thanks so much for being here. I pray the Holy Spirit has truly stirred your heart and the intimacy between you and Jesus has grown deeper. Be sure to download and follow the Stirring Hearts podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also leave a review, which helps this podcast reach more women just like you. And make sure to connect with me on social media and my website. The links are in the show notes. May the Lord bless you and stir your heart as you diligently seek Him. And remember, sister, you are never alone, and we are always better together.